Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Thank goodness. Welcome. You, you guys just missed a bit there. <laughs> just uh, quoting some 90s. Ben outed himself. Hip-hop, R&B. Oh, man. I used to have all those mixtapes. Oh, boy. Oh, man. We won't mention this song. Okay. How's everybody doing? Everyone is sick. We're all fighting or... I'm on the verge. I'm going to get through the next five days and then I will collapse. And then literally everyone I know is sick. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. everywhere. So we can't, you can't blame me for all this. I didn't bring this to the church. No, it's fine. For once, it's not my fault. This is great. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, can I come close? I'll cough on you. (laughs) Reciprocation from last year. You know, it was a little cold. I started to have uh, like after Thanksgiving and I preached on Thanksgiving or Wednesday of Eve, Thanksgiving Eve. And then I had to write another sermon for, for uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And it just kept on getting worse and worse. And then Sunday morning, I told Pastor Bill, I said, I'm just going to go out there and try to preach a sermon. And then I'm going to go back in the office and just kind of rest and not try to talk or touch anybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, somehow I got through that that day, but I'm feeling better now. Good. Man. Yeah, you were like fairly energetic, too. Well. Just turn it on and then turn it right back yeah. off again. That's all it was. Yeah, now Pastor Bill has it, so prayers yeah. for him. He's no on the struggle bus right now. So, yeah, um, it's the most wonderful time of the year around victory. Mm-hmm. Keeping very, very, very busy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. just, There's a lot going on. Yep. And it just seems like, for whatever reason, this year, you know, I don't know, all there's different speculations to why, you know, mm-hmm. our people's immune system's down because we didn't get out this last year. And so now we're not used to this kind of last couple of years, not used to this kind of uh, all these different diseases and we can't handle it or whatever it is, but it's, it's bad. So maybe you're listening to this podcast from the comfort of your couch as you're sleeping oh, off your own sickness. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be a shorter one. I have a couple thoughts that I'd like to talk about. Um, and then, and then Matt, you might have something. Okay. I think Annie's just, I'm just here in body. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. So uh, there's an author that uh, my wife has really appreciated over the years. And uh, I've kind of looked at from afar and seen her ministry. She, she's, Pretty uh, incredible writer uh, and and then a, a, a very good speaker. She is the founder of Proverbs 31 Ministry. Sometimes you can hear that on Christian radio or something like that, Lisa Turkhurst. Uh, unfortunately, she's had a long story of being in an abusive relationship and a manipulative relationship. Uh, I think her husband was addicted to lots of substances and then lots of manipulation and abuse. And she tried to hold on as long as she could and kind of got... All this was public because, uh, especially in Christian world public, just because her ministry is so big and she writes on relationships and well-being and and women's uh, kind of the Christian woman life and and, and what that all means. Uh, And so I know when she started to make it public that she was separating from her husband. Uh, She got a lot of backlash. that she shouldn't be in ministry or things like that because she's going through a, a divorce. Uh, but really, when you when you see she had every reason and, and right to 
to get a divorce. Um, and she tried everything she could, even at the expense of her own physical health. Uh, her health just deteriorated. She tried to hold everything together and everything inside of her was falling apart. So I just listened to her latest book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes. And I thought it was just a really, really good read if you are in any kind of toxic relationship, if you know anybody in a toxic relationship, kind of steps that you can take to start taking good boundaries and why that's a healthy thing and why sometimes you have to go to the final step of of saying a goodbye. But there's one quote that maybe we could lead, lead to some discussion I thought was really powerful. She says that mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. And I thought that that's got to be one of, and she, that's not original with her. That was something that her counselor would tell her hundreds of times over the, the years of working with her counselor. She tried to work through her marriage and she'd say, you know, but maybe he'll change or maybe this will be different this time or maybe this maybe I'm the problem, or maybe if I just did that, uh, and you could l- think about it a, do- do- a dozen different ways, but he kept on saying to her, well, if you want to be healthy, mentally healthy, you have to be fully committed to what's really going on, reality, the reality outside of you, the reality of, of life. Um, it's commitment to reality at all costs. And so often uh, what makes us unhealthy is we just want to cope or blind ourselves from reality. We don't want to accept the reality of losing somebody, the reality of our life not turning out the way we want, the reality that we suffered abuse or, or neglect or other things that just shouldn't be that way. And those are such harsh realities, it almost kind of breaks our brains. Um, and so I thought that was just such a, a fascinating definition. And then how Obviously, uh, as a pastor, I think about how as pastors and Christians we can accept reality at all costs because we have a Savior and a God who is there meeting us in reality with his love and his forgiveness and his ultimate plan of final restoration and healing. So, I don't know, what do you guys think of that definition? How do you think that applies? And uh, Or maybe you don't like the definition. What do you think? Do you have thoughts, Matt? Yeah, so it it assumes... So it, it it if someone is um does so it, does it assume that ev- that everyone knows what reality is? That was what I said before the podcast. I was kind of like, well, so define that. Yeah, define what reality is. Um, there's another book by Bezel Vanderkuck that's called "Your Body Keeps the Score," and uh, he your body will almost, if you're not accepting reality or dealing with reality, your body kind of revolts. And, um, and, or, or, and sometimes you're not living, maybe you're living a past reality. You know, I, I suffered this PTSD or I went through this really tra- traumatic experience. So every time I run into a similar thing, my body goes into that same routine. Um, I think re- reality would be defined like, yeah, what's common sense, uh, what's what's hard but true. Um, 
the, that's the problem with maybe manipulators or people who are con- controlling is that they keep changing reality. You know, mm-hmm. that whole mm-hmm. idea of gaslighting mm-hmm. where you're, um, they, the, oh, no, that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, no, that. Uh, but, you know, in your bones, you, you have to listen to some of your, your body's telling you, no, this is not right. This is not this is not what's really going on. Um, so, you know, I don't think. I don't think she's trying to be philosophical about the nature of reality. Just I keep on running into this wall and I can try to numb myself and, or, or deny like it. You're numbing yourself with hypotheticals. Well, what if he could change or what if I, I could be, I could be doing something mm-hmm. different to help, you know, to help the situation. And I think that that's dangerous too, because, you know, like obviously you know, people should want to change and want mm-hmm. to accommodate their partner, their spouse, whatever, or even in a friendship, you know, like yeah. you want to accommodate, you know, the, the people that you're working with. Um, but when it becomes like when it overtakes you completely, yeah. then you like kind of lose yourself. Yep. But I think everybody wants, you know, should want to try to strive to be accommodating and, you know, work with the people that they're around. Yep. But it, it can to somebody who is manipulative, it, that can go really wrong real quick. Yeah, they can change the whole storyline. The other reason I thought it was a fascinating definition is because do you think if you'd ask people, like, what does it mean to be mentally healthy? Like, how, how what's a, you know, to, to be a mentally healthy person, what would that be? And I think a lot of people, especially today, would say, oh, that means I'm always happy or, you know, I love myself or, um, you know, I'm living my best life now. Yeah, like or, self-esteem. Yeah, like I have great self-esteem. I've, I've, I've um, you know, I'm, and the reality is, is like there's some really hard things and maybe, maybe you're not accepting reality that, that what you're doing is destructive in your life or, or what someone else is doing to you or the decisions you're making are dumb and stupid and yeah. sinful and wrong. And you need to be committed to reality that that's a dumb decision at all costs, no matter what, at all costs, like what, this might cost me something. I think that's what keeps yeah. us in some of these unhealthy states. Uh, and there's so many other things right. uh that that go along with this i i also just finished another book on on brain brain energy and and mental health and and there's so many uh physiological things that are going on in a person's brain when they're not mentally healthy so i i this isn't the exclusive definition um you know somebody might have mental health issues because of an imbalance chemical imbalance uh inflammation in the brain um, you know, a traumatic experience that continues to, to not find resolve. But I, I still thought what she was saying is, if you want to become healthy, you have to accept reality, no matter what that means. That means, yeah, you might have to grieve that loss. You might have to say it's over. You might have to say, I, I really did screw that up and I can't go back. Um, whatever, what's keeping you from accepting reality and what's actually going on. Um, and, and that's the, uh, such a powerful idea. And, and I really do think that most people do know, I, I think that most people know what is true. I think when you're like delusional or you're lying to yourself, I think you, I think you know when you're doing that. 
Like I, I think there's very a very small percentage of people who are mentally unstable who like really do not have a grip on reality. Right. I think most people are are, are consciously lying to themselves and and they know they're hurting themselves. Right. When they do that. And it's hard because, you know, yeah, and maybe you have lower, you do have lower dopamine or you you do have some other, your circadian rhythm's all off and you're not getting enough sleep. And there's all these other reasons why you're feeling anxious and depressed and all these things that that I've gone through too were an experience. But I, what I love about this definition is, uh, you have to sometimes go through the harsh reality of life to get healthy and you can't keep pushing off reality. You can't keep just coping and blaming your circumstances or blaming other people. Uh, you have to just say, all right, this is what it is. And now how can I live? And that's what I think is so beautiful about the gospel and about God's word is you can look at the, the horrors of, the, of, of life and say, but I have a G, I have a God who who went through the horrors of life, the crucifixion, and he came out the other side with a resurrection, and he says he's going to use even this harsh thing, and he's going to bring it to healing and restoration. So, um, I think the hope of of the gospel allows you to look at harsh reality and walk through it and be okay, mm-hmm. you know, cope with it in a healthy way. My uh, my initial thought actually when you read the quote was um because we always talk about the truth of god's word the oh. truth of god's word the bible is the true and inspired word yeah. of god um there's a lot of people on the planet that would say that it's actually all fiction sure and so how how can it be that you have you know two groups of people that would have completely opposite views it's like you know because you you, you can look at the bible stories and say that those are old fables but at a certain point they have to affect you today and it's like, how do you not? How can how can they be? How can they be completely true or completely false to different people? How how can how can God's will be a living and active thing in your life today? That is that is changing you, and 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 is proving itself to be true because it works. Mm-hmm. That's how you know it. That's how you know it's true. Yeah. You know how how can that be? You know, I, I, I think I think that's that's kind of like one of the best measures of if something is true. Yeah. Or at least if it's more true than something else, if it yeah. if it works better. Yeah. And it and it only works if it actually reflects reality. Right. And so um I, I guess I I'm curious, uh I'm I'm curious how we, we uh we interpret like you take the Old Testament and you t- you take the New Testament and you take the law and you take the gospel and you take what does God want for your life and it's I guess it I guess it just fascinates me how how people can say that it's completely false other people can say no it's completely true yeah I mean I think the challenge with some of it is we the, our faith is a historical event. We don't just believe in a set of tenets that you can um, put up to any circumstance and say, you know, if if you take Muhammad out of Islam, you still could have the tenets of Islam. If you take Buddha out of Buddhism, you still could have the tenets of of Buddhism. But if you 
take Jesus out of Christianity have no faith. Uh, and so our faith is a historical uh, story that we're putting our faith that God created this world, God entered into this world that was broken, God lived and died and rose, and he's coming back again. Um, and so if you don't believe that, and you, you come up with a whole other story, that I mean, I think that's what kind of a Darwinian idea is that there, there is no start, there is no purpose, there is no end, and there's, there's no God coming to rescue. You're all on your own. Um, yeah, you can, you can believe that, I guess. But I think there is enough historical evidence inside and outside of Scripture that the whole thing that this thing hinges on, Jesus, is, is, is clear for me uh, that, that I have enough faith in, in the evidence of that mm-hmm. this really actually happened. Now, that helps me accept reality at all costs, kind of back to this idea that um, I can accept that the, this thing in my life didn't turn out the way I wanted or that person wronged me and I didn't, it never seemed to be righted because I believe that there is going to be a final judgment day and all the wrongs are going to be righted and th- there is going to be vindication and there is forgiveness uh, and so the historical things of the past about Jesus allow me to face the really harsh realities mm-hmm. today um, without, without pushing them away. So, And I think that's what gave Lisa yeah. Turkers her, her, her hope was um, God's still with me. Yeah. So I guess... I guess... Um is it? I guess what I want to I want to say. So let's say that you have you know somebody who is struggling with mental health. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of things that could help them, but probably the biggest, most important thing would be like that God is there, that Jesus is their savior, right? That Jesus is their help. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into mental health, obviously, mm-hmm. and I and I. Some of it is a sense of purpose and meaning, mm-hmm. and that's where I think the spiritual side of it, mm-hmm. uh, where where a pastor can come in or a Christian friend would come in and help them. Some of it is, you know, environmental causes of are you sleeping, are you eating, are you, you know, what was your upbringing, all those kinds of things. You know, some things are internal makeup or or traumatic past, and, and the I think. We don't always know why. Why are all these causes? People are looking for the cause, the reason for mental health. So I don't. I don't want to give a, a, a you know, pray sure. and know the Bible and all of your mental health sure. things will go away. I'm not saying that. Um, but if a healthy person, a mentally healthy person, is somebody who can live in reality, you know, if you're if, if you're struggling with, with any kind of mental disorder. For whatever the cause is, you're not able to live in reality. Um, for the disease that you have, the the challenge you have, uh, you're not able to live in reality. So if you and and you might have to do all sorts of different things to get to seeing reality as it is and living in reality as it is. Um, but that's the goal. The goal is to live in this present moment mm-hmm. and accept and live in reality. That you're you're just gonna live with with how it is and and any kind of um denial of reality or living outside of reality uh that's 
that's dis that's dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's what she was doing. She was living in this toxic relationship and she was telling herself everything's going to be okay. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe it's not that big of a deal when he was completely manipulating her, telling her all these false stories, lying to her, uh, abusing her basically, uh, continuing in his addiction and living in that kind of world where you're told you're living in one reality and you're told all these lies and you're supposed to lie for this person and live in a lie. Uh, she talks about, uh, she had all sorts, she got breast cancer, uh, her intestines, they, they said, were so twisted inside of her. It looked like she had been in a car, car accident. And it she's all points to the stress that she was in trying to live in this non-reality uh, and how twisted that made her whole body. So uh, she finally just had to accept reality. And no, this is what's going on. And I'm, I'm finally accepting it. And she finally had to say goodbye, as hard as that was. And she was, I mean, she was seeking help. Right. Yeah, but she just couldn't. It was just so painful. I mean, how do you, I think yeah. that's what most people, how do you accept this reality that, that the person that you thought you're going to be with forever is now not there? Um, and it's, it, it splits your brain in half. Right. You know, and I think that's what uh, abuse does. If you've been uh, abused physically or emotionally or sexually, any of those things, like it splits, how could this possibly happen? How could we live in a yeah. world where this stuff happens? that you just, it breaks, it breaks a person's brain. Um, and it's understandable why now you just have to find ways to pick up those pieces and using all the help that you can from, uh, from, yeah, therapists and counselors and doctors and medication or whatever you need, um, and pastors and all that to, to pick things back up, to, to accept the harshness of reality. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I highly recommend the book uh, because there, there is so much hope in it and so much clarity and, and wisdom. Like, when do you need to set up a boundary? Maybe it's not that maybe uh, you're not in a really heavily toxic relationship or toxic marriage, but if you have a friendship where somebody is, she talks about you can't give level 10 accessibility if somebody's got level two responsibility sure mm -hmm. so sure. like you and you do this like with your bank account you don't give everybody in the world your bank account number you don't give everybody your netflix code you don't give everybody your house key um and yet some people we let way into our lives and they're not going to bring that level of responsibility to it and they're going to bring all their dysfunction into our lives and so she talks about a healthy response is all right maybe i need to pick up the security level, you know, put up a boundary. Like I have passcodes on all these different accounts. I might need to set a boundary in, in these relationships, which is really hard if you're a people pleaser or if you're, if you have a hard time saying no, or if you want to, you, you know, you told as a Christian, you have to love everybody, which is true, but even Jesus uh, set up boundaries. So I think that's uh, the book can be very helpful in, in those. I think my problem is that I, I just like, I, <clears throat> always look at the past and I just like piece everything together. So like someone who's struggling with like a mental health issue, like I'm looking back, like they grew up in a really bad household or they were in a bad relationship. And so 
it's not so much that I want to excuse their behavior, but I'm like, okay, I understand it. But then it, it's hard for me, I think, to, get, you know, um, to, to be tough on them. Right. Yeah. And she talks about that, too, in the yeah. book. You know, the idea of, all right, um, you're not judging that person. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not, you want the best for them. But if you're taking on the responsibility of their decisions and they're not taking on their, then you're enabling, right? That's mm-hmm. that word. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're taking on the consequences for their behavior and consequences can be a really great teacher. Yeah. So if they have dysfunction in their life and you're giving them all that access to your life, you're getting all the consequences for their actions and they're not learning from what they're doing. Yeah. And so, uh, you, yeah, it's understandable. Like there's probably all sorts of reasons we have a sinful nature. Yeah. Maybe a bad upbringing, maybe, you know, whatever, all the things that they've gone through, but how are they actually going to get better? Uh, and so I, there's another book called Boundaries by uh, the, kind of the, the, the famous one. Um, oh, I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head, but uh, Henry Cloud. And his big thing, he's also a Christian uh, psychologist, and he talks about, you know, you can be responsible to people, but you don't have to be responsible for people, like for their action. Like, I'm going to help you when I can, and and I'll be there for you, but I'm not going to take on the responsibility for your actions. If you did that, you, I'm, I'm not going to pay that, pay for that action, uh, you know, because what, what, mm-hmm. you have to feel the pain of, of what you did. Yeah. So I think that's that's the difference. And you can so you can have empathy, you can have compassion. Well, but, I think the, yeah. the definition you great the definition you gave was good about um, when you start feeling the consequences for their actions. Yeah. I th- I think that's good. Yeah. Um and I I also liked um maybe what you said or what she said in the book was um like Com- committing to reality but that that necessitates knowing what reality is and again for me like i'm i'm lo- i'm always looking at the past and i'm trying to like string together how a person is the way they are yeah and and i'm i'm more i'm more in the camp of like you know what you know i'm you know not going to just take make judgment right away for what that person's doing but just sure. trying to understand why they're doing what they're doing yeah um but I, I, I like, and I think it's true that people do know, mm-hmm. they have, like, they know reality. Yeah. They, they, you have to, you know, I, I think a very, very small percentage of people don't have an actual grip on it, but I think, I think most people do. Yeah. And I don't know, I like, I like the approach, obviously. I mean, I like people, you know, making changes and taking responsibility. It's just, you know, it's always hard to get people to that point. Yeah, and and so sometimes you soften it, and so she just has really good tips in here about not having to explain while you're putting this boundary. You know, if somebody asks too much from you, you can say, you know, thank you. This is what I can. This is what I'm going to do. But sometimes we over. If you're a person who really overextends themselves and is you know always helping others to the point of maybe enabling. You feel like you always have to explain your boundary, like this is why I'm doing this. This is this is all the reasons. And sometimes if you and then if you ask, is that okay with you? 
you know, then all of a sudden that person is going to, you know, well, no, I think that's a little harsh. And why yeah. are you, why are you putting up, yeah. you know, why are you being so cold? And so sometimes you just have to firmly um, say, I'm not doing this. And when you start maybe showing this behavior, then we can have this relationship again. Mm-hmm. Um, she also talks about how boundaries are not there to necessarily change the person. And if you're trying to use them to control somebody, like I'm not doing this until to, 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 as a way of controlling you, but, but you're also not going to let their bad behavior spill over into your life and, con- and, and take control of your life. So uh, again, there's, uh, and it can happen at varying levels. Um, if, if it is a, a, a long time friend that just keeps on asking and asking and taking and taking, uh, and it always seems to cause way more, you know, you're, you're kind of nervous to be around them because they're just asking more of you. That would be an example of a time you might say, you know what, I need to, I need to put up some boundaries here uh, in a healthy way so that we both can continue to be friends. Uh, so I think, yeah. But then if it's more severe, it's a, you know, someone you're married to who's continuing to manipulate you and it's not changing. And, it's, and the reality is this has been a pattern for a long time and they keep on manipulating. There's always a reason why and all those things you might have to go more into the, it's time to say goodbye. And she defines goodbye as the old English used to be go with God, like God be with you. I'm not going to take this on anymore. I'm, I'm praying to release you, to, that, that God would be with you. Um, so I know there's a lot of people who are in those kind of situations. Yeah. And we need a lot of wisdom. So I'm just thankful as hard as this was, and as I mentioned before, when she made all this stuff public, as much backlash, I think it's a book that's going to bless a lot of people yeah. who are in tough spots. So, Annie, you just seem like a person who doesn't take any nonsense from anybody. So do you, you struggle do with this like at that. all? or No. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, I feel like, you know, you let everybody in with open arms, but also if they betray your trust... Cut. They're done. Cut. <laughs> Annie scissor hands. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think everybody's like that. You know what I mean? No. Most people are not. I just assume everybody is. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's how I am. Most, yeah. pe- most people are very different. And it's, but it's not, it's not necessarily healthy all the time either. You know, like, it's, you know, I might be a little too quick sometimes to yeah. see ya. Yeah, it's it, well. I don't know, but I, I I think for those who who overextend uh, and take on the guilt of everybody else's actions, this can be a, a wise a wise instruction. I and then yeah, Annie and I are complete opposites. Like in, every in so many ways. Literally. How are you guys such good friends? I, I'm I still trying know, to figure not. this. Out. <laughs> <laughs> we're really careful. Not. I'm gonna cut you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I. I've found that I, I um, like when, when people are upset, I can very quickly just say, you know what? Oh, th- you know what? They're going through a stressful day. Of course they're upset. Like I'm yeah. not going to take it personally. Um, but then I do, I sometimes take that too far where then sometimes I will take it on myself and say, uh, you know, obviously they're going through it for this reason, but then I won't allow myself the same mm. kind of backstory, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then I'll say like, well, they have a perfectly good reason to act this way when we got into a fight or whatever, but I didn't. I did mm-hmm. that wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Annie, you do the complete opposite, where 
you just oh, sort boy, of take you just take it you just take it for what it is and you just act you just treat like the action the actual thing that happened and you just deal with that is that true i don't know i need an example you don't overthink it is what you're saying like annie doesn't overthink it and go into all the oh no i certainly don't yeah like i th- i think you you respond precisely to what happened and i tend to like backtrack a bunch and try to figure out why it happened okay is that right <laughs> yeah maybe yeah <clears throat> i think one maybe one final thing uh that she says and her big point is that she wanted this to be a biblical book that good boundaries is not just a good Too idea late. that's been decided for like thousands <laughs> of years 66 only <laughs> uh that good boundaries and healthy relationships uh, are not just a good idea psych- psychologically and emotionally, but it's also a good idea. Uh, it's a God idea. That, that over and over again, we see in the Bible how God limits mm-hmm. accessibility to him uh, to those who have no responsibility. So like in the Old Testament, only the high priest had access to the Holy of Holies only once a year. They brought a lot of responsibility to to caring for the temple and knowing who God is and knowing what he's requiring uh, to be in his presence. And so he gave them access. Uh, and then as people didn't know or, or, or had less responsibility, they had less access to, to God. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And there's just a lot of other you know verses in the Proverbs too about... Uh, and even how Jesus dealt with people. He didn't give access to every everybody that came in his life. I mean, there, there was people he cut off, the Pharisees who wanted to manipulate him, or, or you know, he asked them a question and walked away. He was not going to get played. Uh, and so this idea of turn the other cheek, and so often manipulators or different things like that, they use these verses of the Bible mm-hmm. to say that a Christian should give themselves to everybody in mm-hmm. every situation. Mm-hmm. And Jesus himself walked away from groups of people. I'm really glad you brought that up because I was just going to yeah. say, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have to be a doormat. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm really glad that you brought that up because I and I think that sometimes people are, you know, Christians can be susceptible to that manipulation at that level because they want to help. And because they say things like, well, I could have done better in this situation or or maybe, you know, they take assume more um, liability or culpability, right, responsibility than maybe they need to. And it's living in the tension, right? You don't want to not assume any responsibility, but you also can't let it consume you to the point where you're being manipulated by it and being walked all over. Like you can't, it, yep. it, you can, you can be a Christian and set boundaries. And right. I, I think that's a really important thing to point and, out. And that, I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, turn the other cheek. It was not, it's like, don't retaliate. You don't have to go down to that person's level. But he also said, when you're dealing with these people, be as wise as snakes and innocent mm-hmm. as doves. You got to be shrewd sometimes. Where I'm not gonna, you know what? I'm not gonna tell that person anything. Everyone, they've already, they've already uh, shown. I, I think with teenagers, uh, they, they, sometimes they they learn. I, I, you, know, you send a text to somebody, and that person screenshots your text, and they send it to everybody. You send a snap to somebody, you know, or or whatever. 
And so all of a sudden you're realizing, all right, I can't do that. I can't, I, or, or uh, you know, just that's part of that thing. Well, I want to be nice. Well, that person has shown they've lost your trust, and so you might need to put a boundary. I'm not going to interact with that person Even anymore. if it's not intentional. You know, sometimes right. people say things and they don't even realize that they are wronging somebody else you yeah. know but so even if, if that you know that friend who screenshots the text and uh, text and sends it out to other people might not even think anything i mean of right. it and right you know but yeah I don't know. or share something that you thought was you said in confidence right like you you you, you didn't expect them to tell everybody mm-hmm. what you said you had that conversation like okay this is what happened and now my boundaries i'm i'm not going to tell you some of these things cuz right now i can't trust you with that information i want to still be friends or whatever but so you know those are all different examples of when you might need to set a boundary is when people have broken trust basically when they have not brought responsibility to the to the level of what you've given them accessibility to so again i i just think it uh, it's a, such a important thing to keep learning because we're all interacting with people. Uh, we say so much stuff. We put so much stuff out there. We need some wisdom as to who we give access to and how much access we give people uh, in our lives and then how much we give uh, of ourselves. Yes, we want to lay down our lives for as many people as possible and love people uh, as Jesus loved others, but... Think, look at how Jesus loved others and look at who some people he did put a pretty clear boundary up. So, yeah, good read. Uh, similar kind of uh, book that, that I've read recently, we read uh, T- Timothy Borman wrote a book, uh, Deep as the Sea. On uh, It's called Deep as the Sea, and it's uh, for, for survivors of trauma, similar to what Lisa Turkhurst has been through a traumatic situation. That was another fantastic book on how you keep working through this, how do you keep processing really challenging situations, how do you re-engage with reality. And uh, so that's another another one. You can get that from Northwestern Publishing House if, you, if, if this is a topic that you want to continue to grow in. That's all I have. Matt, you got a topic you'd like to talk about? Yes. All right. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is like usually we ask beforehand, or at least I try to ask you because usually you have some doozies. Am yeah. I going to be... This might be a carryover, okay. from, right? Are you uh, going to stick with... Yeah, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on the topic of polyamory, which oh, okay. for those of our listeners that don't know, that's just having more than one partner. Not necessarily polygamy, which is married, which is having more than one married or spouse, mm-hmm. but just more than one romantic seems partner. seems like a lot of work. <laughs> well, no, honestly, right? honestly, I, I, like I mean, looked up a little bit of this. And so, because I, I was thinking, <clears throat> historically, polyamory, which was it was actually more polygamy back in the day when you were just like, you were the powerful king and you would just, you know, get your, your ally's daughter and your other allies. And you'd kind of like, everybody up and you'd build, build like, you'd build like an alliance by like, yeah, I'll marry your daughter and then our two tribes or two or kingdoms will live at peace or whatever and um king solomon famously had 700 wives and i have to imagine most of those were just like in name only because that would be a really big house but i mean no, that well, that was <laughs> that i mean you're you had talking about like men of high status almost always men of high status with many many wives nowadays 
polygamy obviously in this country isn't really a thing but polyamory i think it's look we're gonna it's coming back fad's coming back about time (laughs) (laughs) oldie but a goodie (laughs) nowadays it seems like there's more of an emphasis on fulfilling your needs yeah like I am in love with this person, but I only, but I, I have this other person whom I sleep with, and this other person is just like my fun romantic date, yeah. but they're not like my kind of emotionally supportive, stick with you type of friend. And so you have like a couple of people, and then, and then there's, of course, there's a hierarchy because you can't actually have more than one person. Like there's going to be a person who's sort of like the top main one. And then there's secondary people. And then if you're in the middle, they call you a hinge, I guess, because you're like the hinge between two partners. And do all these people know what's going on or is this totally? I think so. Well, I mean, that's and that's part of it. Like, I'm, I, like I, looked at, I looked at some videos and they're like, if you want to have a re- you got to be like really good at communicating and you've got to like keep expectations. They said use Google Calendar. I guess it's like you can schedule dates and that way all your partners can see when you're spending time with, but it seems like it's very like needs based. And it's like you have, you pick a person and you say, you're great, but you're not enough. I need another person to fulfill this other thing that I need. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah. But don't we do that? I mean, and I've thought about this before. Don't we do that in essence, like with, with friends, like, I mean, on a non-sexual level, like, you know, you have a spouse, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, but then you also, your spouse doesn't want to talk about all the same stuff that you might want to talk about. Yeah. So you've got friends that kind of right. supplement mm-hmm. in a way, right? you know, in a non-sexual way. Mm. So it, to me, is the polyamory just simply about sex? Otherwise, it's just, know. otherwise it's just friendships, right? Right. I... For me, this is so bizarre. I I have a hard time wrapping my brain around it. But I, the whole idea of relationships are about fulfilling my happiness is is such a burden to put on anybody. Yeah. And I see. All right, then let's separate this burden because they can't fulfill me. So I need division of labor. Yeah, but I. But it's <laughs> it's never going to satisfy the individual. I don't, you know I think that was that's right. the that's the crazy insight of the book of Ecclesiastes, which I, I don't know why it's, anyone would argue with it being Sol- Solomon didn't write his name on it, but it seems like Solomon, and and he says, I've built, I've tried everything. I've built all these buildings. I've bi- had this big kingdom. I've had all these women, and it's a chasing after the wind. It's not fulfilling me, because uh, you can't. Fulfillment is a byproduct of seeing your life as a gift. It's not something you can actually pursue. So, you can't pursue people fulfilling you, asking yeah. them because it, it just you're always going to want more. It's never going to be enough. So, in the same way, it's like being ambitious about anything else. It's climbing the tower, but instead of climbing the tower of your own achievement, it's you being needier and needier and needier as you hope for other people to make you feel good. Yeah. And they're going to fail you, honestly. Right. Oh, no matter how the, many. No matter how many. In fact, probably worse the more you have. Yeah. yeah. 
But it's, I, I think that's right, though. I think you're right. I think that's the exact same principle. It's you and you have some longing desire. And in some cases, it's like, I'm going to get more and more money. And in some cases, it's like, I'm going to work really hard and become well-known at this thing. And in some cases, it's, I have a need for companionship. And there's something inside you that's a problem with you that you're not willing to look at. And so you just look for it in other people. <laughs> and you just keep stacking up people. That's why, that's why I feel like Ecclesiastes is such an important, powerful book. Because it's, it's saying... Solomon tried all that. He had the ambition, the success, the buildings, the kingdom, the women, the pleasure, the whatever, the money, anything you want, he had it, the hard work, and none of it fulfilled him until he saw life as a gift. And he said, a person can do nothing, nothing is better than to eat and to drink and enjoy your life as a gift of God and to see it as as a gift and to see it for what it is and then to and to live to God's glory. And if, if you're trying to see it as something to, you know, only measuring things on how well it fulfills you or how much you can hold on to or achieve for yourself or build a tower for yourself, you know, yeah, it's, that's an empty bucket. That's never going to be filled up. That's, that's crazy that that's a, a thing. It's a really popular thing. I feel like it's, it's among that like alt lifestyle, you okay. know, yeah. as a part of the, you know the the gender fluidity and yeah. the, i think it kind of that's another kind of mm-hmm. alt kind of a reaction to mm-hmm. your perfect picket fence lifestyle yeah yeah i think so okay mm-hmm. because when has one man and one woman ever worked for anybody surely you would be happier in a conglomerate pile of degenerate bodies <laughs> jeez <laughs> But I do. I think it goes back to the sex piece of it. Like, honestly, are we not all polyamorous? If you, if you remove the sex part of it, like, doesn't I mean, yeah. right? Yeah. I have deep love for my friends. Like, why? Right. You know, right. does that make me polyamorous? No. I, don't, wow. I mean, or does it by definition? I don't know. Wow. You seem to be the expert on this map, but it yeah, does Matt, seem like tell uh, us more. <laughs> it it it's it seems like this has to be a, a it wouldn't be a. a fetish or thing or whatever if it wasn't a sexual thing. I don't thing. really know if they are always sexual though. I Maybe think, just intimate as to how how much yeah. resp- you know, ownership they have on the per- person's life. Yeah. And I don't know. I I really think like I, I really th- like it's it's it, it I think it's it's half of like that chasing and it's half of people it's just all it's twisting it up in your mind. You know when like people are like um, you know, like, because movies and TV shows, right? There's like a moment where that's like they're in love with each other, and and people try to figure out what it means to be in love with someone, and I think you like you chase that feeling, and mm-hmm. you keep chasing that feeling, and 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 that's your that's your end all be all. But then I think like you get into your own, you can get into your own head with it, and you start twisting it around, and you can convince yourself that you're in love with somebody. And I think that's why you go through this whole charade of like being polyamorous. Yeah. Because you can't figure out like, hey, wait a sec. I say I love this person, but now I have seem like I have feelings for this person. It's like, yeah, don't trust your feelings. Everyone knows this. I don't. No, don't do that. That's very stupid. But well, that that beginning infatuation phase is really important. Like when you fall in love or whatever that is, uh, 
because if you didn't do that, you probably wouldn't Be have able to the, tolerate the other person. <laughs> well, make the big decision, get right. married, right? right? Mm-hmm. But it's going to wear off and it has to because you, you can't live like that <laughs> for very long. It's exhausting. Uh, and lots of writers have talked about this. C.S. Lewis has talked about that. And it's going to wear off. And in that next person that you find that you get all excited about, yep. that's going to wear off well, too. Yeah. So, so I could see why this seems to be a solution. Show me the... What is that funeral like when you go to that person? Like, are all these people, you know, like, is that the kind of life that you really want to live, moving from one person to another and making it all about you? Uh, I, I don't know. I just, that's why I do still see, even though it's hard and nobody's perfect, uh, the beauty of God's design of marriage, yeah. of, the, yes, enjoy the infatuation and all of that. But and then it's, also... It's meant to hurt a little, too. It's like, a commitment. I mean, speaking as someone with years of experience, of course, <laughs> marriage is incredibly hard. But it's it's meant to hurt because as a person, it's it's it has the ability to 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 make you a better person. I think it has the ability to straighten right. out some of your little bumps in the road. Yeah, when it's healthy, it's it's an incredible discipleship. Yeah, tool to yeah. You have to look. You know, when it when it is just a friend, you have a friendship that like, all right, we had. I, they don't like what I did. I'm still going home. They're going home. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But when you're married, you're like, all right, we got to fix this because yeah. we sleep in the same bed. And, yeah. you know, like, and so it, it is a way of, of yeah, change. Now, when it be, when that's done in love, when it's not control or coercion or manipulation, uh, but when it's just done of like, I want better for you. Mm-hmm. And you want better for me. Yeah. It's a beautiful tool. We just celebrated 18 years. Ooh, that was nice. just a, uh, two days ago. Nice. Or a couple, three days ago. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's not easy. But, but it, I mean, it's something, right, that teaches you humility, forgiveness. It may kind of like, has, I mean, you have to lose some of your pride at some point. Oh, you yeah. have to learn, you know. But I think polyamory is almost the coward's way out. Like, I don't want this to ever get hard. I don't have so I'm to, just yes, not yes. going to totally commit to you, yeah. right. and I want what I can't have because it's all about what I want, what makes me happy, so I'm just going to yeah. take some of that person too, Right. and it, and you're not willing to put in the actions because it's all about chasing your feelings. Well, and honestly, and maybe I'm wrong, but if let's say it's it's one, I'm going to say one lady and two men. There you go. Okay? Um, is it not, I mean, do, do these two men not have enough, I mean, for the fact that they would be content to be sharing a person. Yeah, self-respect. Yeah. yeah. I mean. That's another thing that I think ha- happens is that finding people that that you think you can take advantage. I mean, I think. I Well, I think there's a whole nother side of this, which is that. It's part of this alternative lifestyle thing. Yes. It's like, oh, that's just your toxic masculinity being jealous and and uh, uh, um, possessive. Yeah, Ben, your and toxic masculinity. Yeah, and you just need to like, <laughs> you just need to like, let up, let go of those traditional ideas and just explore. Oh, that's another word. You just need to explore and have all these experiences. It's like, no, there's some experiences you don't need to have. But to Annie's point, like, what? What kind of work does the person who's who's on the, the 
other side of this to be one of the many, whatever, uh, what kind of self-respect is dying inside them uh, and what are some of the work that they have to do to, to see themselves as important and valuable? Um, That's why it's so important to have open communication. Uh, Be or, honest all around. I, or it's important to say, you know what? I deserve better. Yeah. <laughs> I deserve better. I deserve uh, your full commitment and my commitment to you. And I, it, it, being committed to a single person one person is 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 hard for for everybody um just because we're sinful people and and we all need to change but it is beautiful when it works right again not like not in Lisa Turker's situation mm-hmm. or some of these other situations but uh when it when it works well it can it can really be a beautiful thing yeah i think that's i wonder if that why are people turning to these alternative lifestyles? Is the is the biblical view just been so watered down? Is it not being shown to be beautiful? Are people not seeing good examples of it? Like, why would you go to that paradigm? Like, it's tied into everything we've probably talked yeah. about okay. on the podcast. The yeah. the affiliation. So this is if if the if the man and the woman one and one go you know go together, that's biblical, that's traditional. That's tied to a certain political party. Lame. Okay. Yeah, that's lame. That's or that's that's Christian nationalism or okay. that's and there you know. So I think for all of the reasons that we've talked about, needing reasons needing to de- debunk a lot of these, um, you know, beliefs that are held about currently held about Christianity. Yeah. I mean, like that's one of them too. It's like it's just Christianity has just gotten so hmm. and just chasing so your own happiness. Ooh. Yeah. Chasing your own happiness, glorifying romance as like the ultimate expression of love and those feelings. Oh. It's all of that. But when it works well, I mean, people are happy. Yeah, there's that there is, is a happy. there is a beautiful there's a beautiful gift that, that when I see when I saw my grandparents who've been married for however many, you know, I think well over fifty years, uh when they were close to dying, uh, they were still at home together and we would go over there to kind of help them out. And I saw them kiss each other goodnight before bed and, and say, I love you to each other. And it's just like, that's, that's love. That's this incredible devotion that they are so devoted, taking care of each other. What a beautiful thing. Um, it's just, that's too bad that, that people don't see that or that we, we, we can't be that for each other. Yeah. Cause I think it is beautiful. Well, that's all I got on that. Yeah. That's a, I was on my radar. So yeah, it's, it's getting bigger. Okay. All right. Stay healthy, everybody. Make it through Christmas. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello. Hello.